Good evening and welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. We have a great panel for you tonight. We are going to be talking about the flood threat against your house, whether you live in a flood zone or not. We have uh, some great material for you tonight that may have you rethink the next time you're looking at your policies. Joining us uh, from Charlotte, Bill McGinty, consumer reporter at WCNC Charlotte. And in full disclosure, I work with him during the day, so I feel like I need to throw that out there as I will be interviewing him in a moment. Uh, from WPDE, we have Annette Montgomery, who's a reporter there, who's been doing some local reporting uh, on this topic in their neck of the woods. And we're also joined by April O'Leary of Horry County Rising, uh, and they are involved with this exact topic there along the South Carolina General Coast area. But we'll start more inland uh, with Bill McGinty, who, Bill, just last week, you did a story that kind of tipped this whole thing off to us here at the Carolina Weather Group. So why don't I just have you, uh, the reporter, tell us, uh, in your words, a little bit about what you uncovered here in the Charlotte area. Yeah. So one of my one of my jobs here in Charlotte is the consumer investigative reporter. And so people email me. I run a franchise called Get McGinty. Uh, and, you know, if you have a problem, you email me. And so I got this email from this couple and I was I actually got the email in the middle of the four o'clock news and he said we're, we're being flooded every time it rains we get flooded and it never used to happen we can't figure out why the city was working on the storm drain system we're wondering if that maybe had something to do with it or not so I replied back and I said just send me a couple of photos if you wouldn't mind I'd like to see what you're talking about he sent me back some photos and when I looked at the photo I said I'll be out there first thing tomorrow morning he showed me he's got a townhouse a three-story townhouse and the bottom floor of his finished townhouse was completely underwater, up above the water above the fireplace. And I said, this is from a rainstorm. I mean, this looks like a river came up. He said, it comes up and then it goes away. And, and, and as long as the rainstorm lasts, his point was that if we get three inches of rain over three days, not a problem. But if we get three inches of rain in an hour, huge problem. So it's basically a flash flooding issue. And so one of the things we were able to do was get a hold of the city of Charlotte, which told him they'd look into this sometime about 2021 um, before, they actually, before they actually would drill down on this and figure out what the exact problem was. And they, 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 they gave him, I don't want to say the runaround, but for lack of a better word, the answer wasn't good enough for him, which is why he reached out to me. I reached out to the city. I sent them some of his home video that he took, you know, on his iPhone. I, I sent some of the pictures and I said, this, this is unacceptable. He can't live like this. This is his home. And so um, within a week, they had some digging equipment out there. And, and they, what they found was uh, a couple of blockages in those pipes. And so just before we came on, and I mean, literally just before we came on within the last half hour, I got a text from him. They got some rain here in Mecklenburg County tonight. And he said, so far, so good. Fingers crossed. We haven't flooded. So maybe the blockage would, was the issue. Maybe not. Um, it's going to take a couple of more rainfalls before we know for sure. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that maybe we have solved this issue. Um, but the bigger issue is his homeowner's insurance isn't going to cover this because this was considered rising water. And I don't care whether you live next to a creek, you live near a drainage ditch, you live alongside a river. Uh, if you have water come up from anywhere and it comes into your home, that is considered a flood. And that is not covered by your typical homeowner's insurance policy. If, if in a hurricane, which I used to live in Florida, so if in a hurricane, the roof blows off the home and you get a ton of water in, okay, that's, that's water damage, and that is not flood damage. Rising water is water that comes in through the doors, through the garage, 
things like that. And that is, that is a federal policy that you have to have. That is a completely separate policy other than your homeowner's insurance policy. I don't think, A, a lot of people know that. And I don't think a lot of people understand the risk they have to their home um, through, through rising water. Most people say, I'm not in a floodplain. I don't have to worry about it. I've seen plenty of, plenty of those people and I've covered plenty of those stories where they stand there scratching their heads wondering, what am I going to do now? Because their homeowner's insurance says, sorry, this isn't covered. Well, that's some good update, though. A little breaking news there uh, that at least today it didn't flood. And as we're recording this on Monday night, I'm looking over here at the uh, Mecklenburg fin system, the flood information and notification system. And they had just shy of about an inch of rain there in, in Mecklenburg. Yeah. Um, so let me set it up, James, if you wouldn't mind. Let me, you know, yeah. I, I talked about the rising water coming into his home and, and you'll see it if we, you know, we, we show some pictures and video here. But, but the bottom line is his townhome, if you can imagine this, runs uh, this way. But the back, the back of his town, the driveway runs down. And so you've got four townhomes and the first one up at the street level is street level. But his is higher because the driveway slopes down in the back. And of course, because the driveway slopes down, you need, you need a, uh, a couple of grates down there that lead to rain runoff. And that, that's what was backing up. And it, of course, backs up to the lowest point and the water came into his house. So I, I don't want to lead people to believe it came in from the street. It actually came in from the two grates that were in his driveway. But because he was down at the lowest point, water came up there. And the grates are on private property, but are connected to city-owned drainage? Yep. Yeah, it's it's a stormwater drain. What think of what's out in your street. If you go out and you look at your street and, and you see those grates in the corners of the streets, that's that's a storm drain. And that's basically what he had, but flat in his driveway. And and people will probably know from looking at those, you'll sometimes see the little placard on them that says, you know, do not drain liquid oil and such down into those right. because they're connected to the streams and the creeks and the waterway. One hundred percent which in Mecklenburg County, as I think a lot of other places, but especially here in Mecklenburg County, where we have the urban development, all of that infrastructure is needed for anyone who doesn't live here to drain off into our nearby creeks in order to keep that water flowing, ideally away from your house. Ideally. Ideally. This, uh, the gentleman you, you talked with, uh, you know, in terms of Repayment, is, is the city offering anything uh, in terms of mitigating this, this flood damage to his home? Well, that's, that's the next part of the story. Step number one was to get the flooding stopped and to get them out there and to dig into the ground and find out where the, what was the problem? Was it a blockage? Was it, was it pipes that were too big flowing into a pipe that was too small and it, and it just couldn't handle it, backed it up? So step number one was getting the flooding stopped. But to answer your question, that's where the lawyers get involved, and that's where the city's legal department gets involved. And uh, they're having conversations with him that right now I'm not privy to. But, you know, in my experience, and I'm, I'm just cutting him out of it, but in my experience over 31 years, watching people wait for repayment from some kind of a government entity, I'd say it's about 50-50 as to whether you're made whole or not. Um, you know, can the city be held liable for the first flood because they didn't know there was a blockage should they have known it's what did you know and when did you know it and so as soon as they were alerted to a to to the fact that there was a problem okay now maybe they didn't act swift enough and maybe there's a lawyer his lawyer that will make a compelling argument enough to say hey wait a minute we we alerted you that there's a problem 
So that's, that's where it gets sort of tricky, James, is, is that uh, what are they really responsible for? The first flood or the following seven? And that, that's a good question. And, you know, I'm looking forward to following it. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. But all of it could have been avoided in terms of waiting for the city to reimburse and whatnot if there had been a flood policy. It really struck me. When I first heard this story pitched, I thought, oh, he must live along a river or a creek or a stream, and he, and he doesn't. Nope. Yeah. Right in the middle of the city. Uh, Bill, I want to come back to you in a few minutes because I know there's some more that you have to share tips and tricks for folks wherever they live, uh, things for them to consider on their homes. I want to bring in Scotty Powell, who's going to expand the scope and continue our conversation. Yeah, thank you, James. Much like the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area, another metropolitan area that's really growing a lot of urban development is the Horry County area. That's um, Myrtle Beach, Conway, South Carolina. Uh, tonight we have Annette Montgomery and April O'Leary with us. Um, Annette, you cover uh, this story a lot for WPDE. Uh, I came across some of uh, your reports there. Uh, you guys see flooding maybe a little bit different than what Bill was talking about. Obviously, flash flooding, a big concern. But a big concern for you all in Horry County is when we see these heavy rain events occur. And this doesn't necessarily have to be tropical rains or tropical storm activity. This could just be heavy rain that's uh, developed over North Carolina, you know, anywhere between three, four, five inches of rain, and it kind of travels down the river system. Annette, you uh, unfortunately have been covering these stories of folks who've been affected by also this water runoff and affecting many homes and many communities that are being flooded. Yes, I actually know a lot of homeowners that are selling their homes just simply because of the flooding. I actually did a story last week with a woman who she moved into the house less than a year ago and wasn't told by the owners that it floods just from small rain events. And she said it's flooded so many times since she's been there that she wants to move closer to the beach, which is insane because where she lives is a lot further, but it seems like this community keeps seeing flood events. And the unfortunate thing, like Bill was saying, is that she doesn't have flood insurance and she bought this home with inheritance money. So she says she really feels like she's at her wit's end and the county's telling her that, you know, to wait for this buyout program, but she knows she's not going to get 100% of the value of her home. So she says, you know, she feels like she's going to lose a lot of money, but she doesn't have another option at this point. And I've covered so many stories with similar families, just another man, he's selling his home. But the concern that people have is when their homes flood, it's sewage water, it's things like that that's also in the water. So they're just very concerned for their overall health and their safety. So that's another huge portion that people might not realize, that these people are very concerned for their health as well. And Annette, correct me if I'm wrong, but this isn't just one community. There's several communities throughout Horry County that's experiencing this. Um, seeing a lot of videos out of the Saucasty area, places like that are really experiencing this. Um, we just went through a primary. I know that was a big topic of discussion among uh, the city council and county commissioners. Um, what did they have to say about this as, uh, as a lot of their constituents are facing this flooding threat, it seems, almost every month? Yes. Just last week, I spoke with County Councilman Cam Crawford, and he tells me right now city leaders are looking into, and county leaders are looking into this relocation program, but they're waiting on money from HUD. So currently right now, it's a federal government concern that they're waiting on in terms of money to get to the county. 
but the only he said the only solution they're looking at right now is the relocation program which buys out these homeowners and a lot of them that i spoke with say that that's a huge concern for them because they don't want to be bought out not at the market value of their homes but that's yeah. the most immediate solution they're looking at right now I want to get to April in a second, but as Bill was talking about, Charlotte, a big metropolitan area, a lot of construction, a lot of uh, concrete, uh, asphalt, things like that. Not a lot of drainage. Horry County also experiencing kind of a big boom. A lot of folks, businesses, um, housing developments moving into that area. So does that play a factor into this flooding as well? Definitely development. And I know April's probably going to speak to this too. But definitely a huge, huge, huge concern for a lot of the people living here is that a lot of these homes and developments are being built on wetlands. And a lot of these people that are moving from these other areas to Horry County, just like the woman I spoke with, I think she was from like New Jersey, they don't know about the flooding here and they don't know about the wetlands and how bad flooding happens just from rainfall. So a lot, a huge, huge, huge portion here and a huge thing that people focus on when they're speaking to these county councilmen is that you know development cannot happen on wetlands and that's something that happens quite frequently i know i probably talked about what april is going to speak about but yeah that's a huge 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 concern development well april i want to bring you in you uh, run ori county rising and this is a nonprofit group uh you're i want to say you're out in the field I, i've been following your facebook uh page uh, follow the pictures and the videos. You're actually out there with the folks who are being affected by this day in and day out with your rain boots on, uh, high water, kayaking. I've seen a lot of things going on. Tell us about Horry County Rising and just kind of tell us some of the stories that you hear day to day. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for not forgetting about uh, families affected by flooding, especially to Bill helping uh, to work with that family. That's a, a great model that I like to see. Uh, in the media moving forward. But yeah, we I flooded in Hurricane Florence. And um, prior to that, I was working in clean water protections. And I decided that I um, really thought that I could make a difference around uh, flood mitigation and making sure our communities are more sustainable. Um, kind of seeing the trends and seeing the historical trends, both at leading to loss of life, but also an increase in damages. Um, and so I quit my position and created Horry County Rising. We are a social welfare organization trying to work with this vulnerable population around flood mitigation, but also trying to uh, propel uh, the government to have a, a plan. Um, you know, we really believe that there's some good components of a good flood plan. And uh, we're really frustrated and concerned at this point, given that this is such a significant uh, hazard mitigation issue, but also a public health concern um, that we really need to have a plan that kind of defines what our priority projects are, you know, a timeline for the, uh, how to fulfill those, a funding source, um, a responsible entity, and really trying to explore all of the options that we have available um, to help reduce that exposure and reduce the catastrophic damages caused by flooding. Um, and so, yes, we, uh, we actually flooded twice this year. We flooded in February, and we also flooded in the first week of June. Um, you, the last flood event um, is a community that actually was just built uh, within the last 15 years. So, you know, we're essentially very concerned about future land use because we're seeing more and more homes flood. Um, and we were really hoping that we purchase a product that can sustain a 30-year mortgage. 
um, and maybe even possibly sustain families and generations of families. And what we're seeing is we're not even getting halfway there to that 30-year mortgage, that these homes that were just constructed um, 15 years ago on the ICW continue to flood, um, continue to be rebuilt, resold to another unsuspecting homeowner. Um, so we see these homeowners, particularly around the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway, uh, repeatedly flood, um, flood in the four or five times in the last uh, five years. But we also are impacted by um, these significant riverine floods as well. Um, so that's, you know, events like Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Florence, where we saw historical river crests. Um, Hurricane Matthew broke Hurricane Florence's record level by 3.21 feet. It was a, uh, the largest, most historical flooding event um, to hit this area. Um, we've been fortunate. We haven't had uh, too many storm surge uh, impacts as of late, um, but uh, we certainly do see um, concerns with flash flooding, much like we talked about earlier, Bill, where, um, you know, that our infrastructure is aging. Um, it was based on this assumption that we would have consistent historical rainfall trends and naturally these um, really significant events, these high peak rainfall events um, contribute to those flash flooding impacts and we see damages as a result of that as well. April, um, obviously not mentioning any, any of the families that you work with, but just some of their stories. Can you tell us a few of those? I mean, uh, we live, I don't live near the coast, and I know coastal areas always hurricane threats there. Uh, we experience flooding up here in western North Carolina, but we don't experience it like you guys do. I mean, it's just a constant, like you said, already two times uh, this year, not counting all the, the, the previous years. Uh, what, what's their stories like? What, what are they telling you? I mean, I know you're the advocate for them that you're going out and, and trying to spread the word. So what, what do you hear from these families? Um, the first initial response, I think, to any kind of catastrophic flood event is, you know, how do I control this water? But, um, you know, we're really trying to focus and shift that perspective and really kind of explain that this isn't a water issue, um, so, you know, so to speak. Um, yes, we're seeing high peak rainfall events, more flooding, uh, obviously, as a result of rainfall events um, being more frequent and more intense. Um, but, you know, this is a people problem. Um, you know, it's just a flood if there's no capital investment in that area. You know, we won't see catastrophic damages. So it's really about understanding what your exposure is and understanding what your risk is and doing all you can to uh, mitigate that risk and reduce that risk. Annette touched on it, um, a lot of families, we have about 80 families that are interested in that flood mitigation buyout project that um, should be available, um, but we're competing with 10 other counties and uh, there's only 35 million. So we're gonna have a serious unmet housing crisis um, in the middle of uh, a huge growth and population boom. Um, so a lot of this is just really smart future land use. Um, I also think we're a particularly vulnerable county. So we're among the top five hazardous counties. We should probably exceed those federal standards and those regulations given that we're particularly vulnerable to flooding. Um, we have a 100% probability of flooding um, if we get a hurricane, um, as indicated just with a tropical storm that we recently had. So, um, you know, these families are uh, particularly very vulnerable. 
we see a lot of um, financial stress. They lose their financial viability. So uh, families that are typically uh, getting ready to retire or maybe just bought their last forever home and in retirement that are on fixed incomes or flooding, um, they just bought their homes again, you know, within 15 years and, you know, they're being impacted every year at this point. Um, so there's a lot of real concern about that vulnerability and, um, you know, how that really decreases a family's financial viability and there's very few options. Um, obviously protecting yourself and buying flood insurance is critical. Um, you can flood from a tree or a beaver or um, a stormwater issue or, you know, Eastern Carolina getting eight inches of rain. Um, so, you know, at this point, it's, it's really crucial that um, we do all we can to educate the community about these issues, but also work with our elected leaders and our government to really take this um, very seriously and, uh, you know, do real common sense approach like have a plan. Annette, uh, one more question for you. Um, you. You had an article or a news story out last week, June the 15th. Uh, some flooded homeowners in the Sakasi area actually plan a protest to make their voices being heard uh, to officials. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So um, I spoke with one of the women who helped organize the protest, and what she basically told me is these homeowners, like April knows, they're just tired of flooding and tired of you know, elected officials telling them that they're doing studies, they're doing studies and nothing is being done. So they said, you know, they're doing this to make their voices heard. And I know April could probably speak to that as well. A lot of them just, they just said this is their last resort. They feel like they've spoken to county council members, they've spoken to elected officials, and they just feel like enough is enough. So this is, they said they're going to bring out um, some of their flooded items and have them laid out for people to see. And this is just to have officials really see how these people are being affected and what it's doing to them emotionally and physically their stuff. So it's July 6th at 8 a.m. in front of the Horry County Courthouse in case anyone wants to go. But yeah, I'm glad that, you know, they're doing this. I think it's important. When the Carolina Weather Group returns, Special commentary on the urban street flooding we see in downtown Charleston. Plus, Bill McGinty returns with what you need to do to protect your home, even if you don't live near a waterway. We're back in 30 seconds. Jared Smith, Evan Fisher are our go-to Charleston guys on tonight's episode, and I know they feel really passionate about the topic here tonight. I think that we would be remiss if um, Jared and I didn't also hop into this conversation and talk about Charleston. I can see it. I can see Jared uh, cracking a, a smile every time you guys mention street flooding because living in downtown Charleston, this is also uh, an issue that we face regularly, at least once every couple of months. Um, and it, it just like I said, it's a combination of uh, water table issues, uh, salt water getting into the, uh, the pipes, uh, as well as just freshwater flooding. So it's kind of a combination of everything and blockages and sewers and just, it's a mess. Um, but there's a real social problem where if you, if you drive around downtown, you'll notice a distinct difference between higher and lower income portions of the area. Um, a lot of the higher income areas in these homes, they're well off the ground. They're at least five feet above uh, street level. Versus if you go to the lower income areas, a lot of these homes are literally sitting out at street level. And you know, both areas typically flood in heavy rain events. Uh, but unfortunately, 
one area sees significantly more damage than the other just because of uh, you know the, the way that the infrastructure is in that uh, portion of downtown. So everyone has a plan. When the heavy rain starts, people start coming out and laying out sandbags. And that shouldn't have to be uh, where we go to every time we have a thunderstorm. But unfortunately, it is. Uh, it's, it's a very serious problem. And Jared, you probably have a little bit, you've had a little bit more experience in Charleston, and you certainly run the weather page that deals with all of the reports. So I'll let you jump in here as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for historical reference, I used to live on Evans Street a lifetime ago, and um, and 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 I know that sewage water well. Um, I, I know wading through that, I know losing a car to it almost, and and, and so, I mean, there's real property damage that happens, and and, and you know, and, and much as what you all are seeing in Horry County, we're seeing the same thing in Charleston. We have people building on wetlands. We have people, you know, building in places where they shouldn't be, and now we have new flood hot spots coming up. Um, you know, meeting in Hugey Street used to never flood. Used to be that was a it was a that was a clean getaway. That was an escape route from downtown when many other arteries were closed. And now it's got the same problems. You're, you're building right at the base of the Ravenel Bridge there, and uh, now it floods. And and that's just a within the last year kind of thing. And um, then it gets up six point seven, six point eight feet, and it you know floods all around the low low income housing right around the Citadel. And it, it's just like, and and this happens. There's you know no advisories, nothing like that, you know, and, you know, you'll get a state, you get a coastal flood statement at 6.8 feet because it doesn't affect a large enough area, but it affects those people. And so, um, you know, we've got, you know, Evan is dead on when you say we have an inequality issue when it comes to, when it comes to this. And suffice to say, you know, th these, these problems that you're seeing there are endemic up a lot, up and down the coast. You have, you know, and, and, you know, you, you can't help but wonder, you know, there, there's been talk, there's been scuttlebutt in Charleston about them just not insuring these places anymore. <laughs> and, and, and that is when you're going to finally start to see some change because when they won't insure them anymore, then, then you'll start, you know, then people will be rethinking their views. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we've got, you know, you know, we've got a major issue. It was just the tide, just a thunderstorm. We had a thunderstorm a couple, about a month or so ago, we had a thunderstorm set up just off the coast. Sold out a little bit, had a, had a water spout with it. But the problem is on the north side of that storm, the rainfall rates have become so enhanced, it rained five inches in an hour. Wow. We're seeing more and more of those kinds of events. The Army Corps of Engineers is studying a seawall. They're going to you know, build a wall on the battery, make the floodwaters pay for it, I guess. I don't know. But, um, you know, but... And it's like, okay, well, that, that's all well and good, but I, that's not going to solve the problem, as Evan said, of the water coming up through the drains. And then you have the water coming up through the drains, so we have these things called check valves. And, and when the tide hits a certain height, check valve um, kind of clutches and fills and fills the drain, and then, then no water comes in. But what if it rains on top of it? Then that has nowhere to go. So when you're trying to fight the laws of physics, generally speaking, it's not going to go well for you. And uh, we, we're learning some very expensive lessons in Charleston right now. I mean, they're pumping millions and millions and millions of dollars into, into, into this, but, you know, sea level keeps going up. We keep getting these heavy rain events. I mean, you know, us, you know, <laughs> Charleston, Beaufort, you know, those areas, Horry County, Myrtle Beach area, all the way up, you know, Wilmington, we've got problems. I mean, we've got big, big problems. I don't know if uh, people who listen to this show on a regular basis are thinking, I haven't heard Jared that much in like a year. 
Jared is really <laughs> passionate about this and some great points there, Jared. And, um, but I, that's what I was, I was, I don't know, Jared, if in the years we've been doing this show, I've ever seen you that fired up. I love it. You know, it, it's a big problem and it's a big problem. It, it's just one of those things. It's just so self-inflicted and it just keeps happening. It's like, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. I'll shut up now. <laughs> a April, in this cycle of, of proposing, planning, and building, and we, we loop around again, where would, in your experience, where, where, where do we start the problem solving? At what point in this cyclical wheel? Your backyard. Right. So um, you want to have a backyard perspective. You want to pay attention to your county planning commission. You want to review future land use projects. You want to educate yourself about the special flood hazard areas. You want to make sure you speak up, you know, whatever district you live in and work with your elected official and let them know your concerns about uh, whether that project will increase flood risk or exposure. Um, and I think, you know, making sure you take advantage of public input opportunities at a council level. Um, and then I also think, you know, there's so much value in coming together, like Horry County Rising really takes care of our own. Um, and we provide a forum, but also a support network. So um, we're all learning from each other. And I think there's just something so much so powerful about that because, you know, every day we're growing and growing and we're learning more and more. Um, and, you know, we took it from, you know, just 80 people to 25,000 uh, in one year. So I'm really optimistic. I have a lot of hope. Um, and I think it's really important that you, when you're in this line of work, that you can remain hopeful and be optimistic. Um, but I think it's really important to look at this from um, a vulnerability perspective and really make sure that we critically look at some of those socioeconomic um, vulnerabilities and make sure that whatever decisions that we make, that they are benefit, benefiting our socioeconomic uh, factors and communities. So, um, you know, that, that piece is really crucial. Um, and obviously trying to overcome those deficits. You know, there's not enough money. We're always gonna have more need than we do funding and resources. So um, partnerships and engaging with other stakeholders like all of you is, is really critical and uh, being engaged is critical. Bill, I wanna bring you back into the conversation because at the start of our program tonight, you were telling us about a gentleman here in Mecklenburg County who fell victim to urban flash flooding. You know that I recently bought a house. And when we bought our house, I looked at it at the top of a hill, and water should flow away. But, but tell me, Bill, what, what other things as a homeowner do I and all of the other homeowners out there need to be considering to put yeah. ourselves in the best position we possibly can? All right, first of all, let me apologize for my lighting because it got dark on me. <laughs> I'm outside. I'm just so glad you're enjoying the beautiful Carolina yeah. weather. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not telling ghost stories, although it may, it may look like it, but um, okay. So, you know, I don't care where you are. You should entertain <laughs> the idea of a flood policy. Uh, they are not that expensive. And I will tell you, it's the first thing people tend to cut out of their budget. Now I'm going to circle back around to something um, 
I think what Scotty said said before uh, about you know when when are they just not going to insure? Well, you know what P- people need mortgages to buy some of these places, and so if insurance won't insure it, then you can't buy it. And so I think he raised a very good point there that when insurance gets tired of paying for these bailouts and gets tired of you know we used to say the same thing when are these people along the beach going to quit building homes along the beach you know when when we know this area gets hit by hurricanes all the time well they're going to keep rebuilding as long as insurance pays for them to rebuild and so it's sort of the same problem here um i lived in tampa i lived in flood zone three so i lived at the very top of tampa bay literally the bay um and so I was in flood zone three, which meant A, B, C, so C. I was not going to flood. It had to get, it had to get like two miles inland. But a category four hurricane would push that water inland, no problem. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be proactive. I was young. I had flood insurance. But as soon as our first born came along, I thought, all right, I got to slash the budget. What's going to go? And it was my $200 a year flood policy that went. And um, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to need it. And, and it, as it turns out, I didn't need it, but I rolled the dice. And now that I'm older and wiser, I would tell people that even if someone, your real estate agent, who's trying to sell you something, or the buyer who is trying to sell you something, tells you you don't need a flood policy, don't listen to them. You make that decision as to whether or not you need a flood policy. I've got a creek nearby here where I just bought this house a few months ago. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near anything I need to worry about, but I'm going to get a flood policy. It's just good protection. Um, I think as long as people want to live near the water and Charleston is a beautiful area, um, you know what? People are going to continue to build near the water because it's tax revenue. It's a lot of money for the county and for the city. And so to put up those, those opulent properties and then sell them for mega bucks, you bet. They're not going to be around when the floods come up, but they're going to be sure be have their hand out when, when they want the tax revenue. So I think as long as people are willing to buy those properties and live in those areas, even with the risk, they're, they're going to continue to do it. It's not anything that's going to go away anytime soon. The only thing you can do to mitigate this for yourself is to buy a federal flood insurance policy, and it's under $200 a year. It's Now, if you live right on the coast, it might be more, but I'm, I'm talking for myself here in Mecklenburg County. It's somewhere between one and one and $200. Um, the other thing that, that April, and, and I think both of you mentioned is that these homeowners that, that are selling these properties to people, knowing that they flood, not disclosing that. I mean, that, that's a legal issue right there. Now, you know, if your home's flooded, what am I going to do? Fix my house or am I going to file a lawsuit against the former owner? comes down to how much resources do you have? How much money do you have in the bank? And where do you want to put those resources? A lot of people would just choose to fix the home and then get out of it again. But, you know, you you just really can't rely on, um, you should be able to, the seller and the real estate agents involved, but you have to protect yourself. And the only way, again, going back to is a flood insurance policy. Are there different tiers or different versions of this flood insurance that different people should be considering? Yeah, I'm not in the insurance business, so I won't pretend like I am. But um, having looked at a lot of insurance policies over the years, just through the, through the eyes of a consumer reporter, yes, there are. Um, you know, if you live along the coast, you're going to pay a higher premium to live there. And uh, a lot of people are willing to do that. 
But if you live inland, if you live just anywhere near a creek or a river, uh, and, and I'm not saying so that you have riverfront property, but if you live anywhere near it, and I think it's reasonable to ask, you know, what's the 500 year flood plan? Um, most people don't think, oh, 500 years, that'll never happen. Well, look what's happened oh, just yeah. in the last few years. Yeah, and, and I know here in Mecklenburg, and I can't speak for Horry County or any other municipality in the Carolinas because I think it varies. There are maps out there that hopefully you can get your hands on. You can here in Mecklenburg. You can go on to, I want to say county, could have been city. Yeah, you're, but, yep, yep, and your you county can see, and city government. Yep, yep. It, they'll make it all available to you. And you have to then take the ball and put it in your court and decide whether or not you want to spend a couple hundred bucks a year for a, for a flood policy. And um, it is worth it. It is worth it. And I'm going to be getting one here. We just moved in here a few months ago and we're coming into the rainy season now. Um, it is, it is definitely something that is worthwhile. I know when we bought our house, I looked at that map and we were clear of the 500 year flood plane for the nearby Creek. But I think after tonight's conversation, I'm going to take another look at that because it's not out of the question. And, you know, the thing that is striking to me that it's timely to this conversation just in the past few days during their regular coronavirus briefing, you had North Carolina state officials uh, coming out and reminding folks that they can still sign up for hurricane relief uh, programs mm. Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Florence, these storms are over two years ago, and folks are still needing help to clean up. I don't have to tell you that if you're watching or listening to the show and you're in that position, but I will say it's easy for me here in Charlotte to forget that there are still communities trying to clean up from those mm -hmm. storms, those floods, more than two years ago. Yeah, Jane, let me, let me throw one more point is, and a lot of people think that, oh, you know what, I'll just wait till I see a storm coming, and then I'll get the policy but a lot of these policies have exclusions and sometimes they won't write 30 days before a storm. Now, oh. nobody knows 30 days out when there's going to be a storm, but it isn't something that you should sit on your hands. If you're even thinking about it, you shouldn't wait because a lot of insurance companies will not write policies the minute your area goes into a hurricane watch or a hurricane warning, um, or even a flood watch or a flood warning, or if rain's expected heavy and and the meteorologist is saying, hey, I think there might, we, you know, look for a flood watch. The insurance companies are going to use whatever they can to not pay you, um, you know, down the road. If they could, that's, that's how they make money. That's their business model. They don't really want to pay out. And so um, you can't sit on your hands and, and, and wait for the radar to start spinning counterclockwise before you decide you want to do something. At that point, it's too late. You just got to hope for the best. It reminds me of life insurance. We got life insurance after my son was born, and I think it had at least a 14-day, yep. if not a 30-day kind of yep. waiting period. Yep. Uh, I want to give each one of you a chance to tell us where we can find you or your organization on social so we can stay informed. Uh, but I also want to ask if there's anything else that maybe we, we forgot to ask or we didn't ask that you wanted to get out there. And I'll start with, with Bill on both of those points. Bill, how can we follow you on social and, and get updates on this and other stories like this? Um, the best way to follow me on social is um, I have a Facebook page um, that is station branded WCNC Bill McGinty. Um, I do, I put consumer stories on there um, and consumer advice from time to time. I'm not super active on social, um, uh, but I should be James. I see you. Grinning there. <laughs> um, <laughs> he will be. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, 
but you can also find, you know, my consumer reports on WCNC.com. I just made up for it right there, James. Uh, WCNC.com and our WCNC Facebook page, they take a lot of the content as well. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, just, I just think that it's better to tell your friends and family members if they live anywhere near a body of water uh, that, that, uh, that at least investigate a flood policy. You might be surprised how cheap it is. And it's one of those things, you know, it's like life insurance. You, you don't, and I had a family member that needed the life insurance uh, after signing up for it. And you know what? It made all the difference in the world in terms of childcare and things like that going forward. So, um, you know, I know we hate paying those premiums, but boy, I'll tell you, when you see rising water coming up, you're going to be darn glad you did. And I think those are some good takeaways, Bill, because I hadn't thought about that waiting period for, for the flood insurance. And we are just into the start of hurricane season with yep. with four tri uh, tropical cyclones thus far mm. uh, here in the Atlantic Basin. Annette, how can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at AnnetteMTV and then Facebook at Annette Montgomery WPDE. And like and Bill it, said, I'm going to brand my station, WPD.com. You can find my stories there as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you got to plug them, right? You got Making a lot them. of bosses happy. That's yeah. right. Uh, April? Um, we have a Facebook group called Ori County Rising. Our website is OriCountyRising.com. And um, the only thing I just wanted to add was I just wanted to thank you all for doing this today because – you know, these families, your home is supposed to be your sanctuary and where you feel safe. And these families lose that after you flood. And so I think the more we can keep having this conversation, the better. So thank you so much. And we appreciate uh, you all and your time tonight and your expertise in joining us here on the Carolina Weather Group. And we'll remind folks at home that if you're dealing with an issue or, or have something on your mind that's weather related, you can always hit us up here at the Carolina Weather Group. Or if you're in any one of these areas and you need to get McGinty or Annette, we need to come up with, do you have a franchisee uh, name yet? We need to come up with one. If you need to <laughs> get Annette, uh, you can do that uh, as well too, uh, to uh, have them uh, help you out in, in some of these uh, situations. So on behalf of uh, the Carolina Weather Group with uh, Jared in Charleston and Evan physically sitting in Asheville, but with Charleston in his heart <laughs> and, and Scotty Powell in the mountains, I'm James Briarton. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Carolina Weather Group. <laughs>